I'm Shannon. I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor, the podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. We also have Facebook and Instagram pages under Dirt Sailor Podcast. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. Happy Throat Punch Thursday. How are you doing on this fine day? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you for asking. Kind of strange that we're in different parts of the world, but you know, it's okay. Sometimes <laughs> we must tra sometimes we must travel. Have passport will travel. Yes, even if it's on one of Elon Musk's rockets. Yeah. Well, did you hear that they're supposed to be launching Lieutenant Uhura into space? Really? Her ashes are gonna go into space. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So that was, we'll go into deep space, I guess. Wow, that's cool, though. Good for her. It's, a, it's amazing that we're able to do that sort of stuff. It is. I don't know who's actually going to do the sending of Nichelle Nichols, who was the actress who played Lieutenant Uhura. I'm not sure on what ship she'll go on, but she will be launched into space. That's cool. You know, NASA is getting ready to launch a ship into orbit around the moon. First time they've done that in many, many years. Oh, wow. We're finally mm. getting back into space, I guess. Yeah, but like I heard somebody say, I thought Mars was the interest. Why are we going to go back around the moon? Maybe we're trying to learn more things. Yes, maybe when we went to the moon the first time, we went right to left. Maybe we're going to go left to right. Left to right. <laughs> yeah, you never know. I wouldn't be surprised if they just decided to change the orbit. Yes, go up there and kick it a little bit, make it move. Kick the tires. Anything's possible. Put it off its rocker. But you talk about the left and going left to right, where the FBI sure seems to be leaning way, way, way left. Absolutely. They are, like super left. You know, this legal notepad that I use to take notes with only has like 50 pages, and I think that I have about 250 pages worth of notes on just the FBI. So it's funny that you bring that up because I have actually made some side notes on both Hunter Biden and the FBI, but it's not all specifically Hunter Biden. So I will let you go first on some of what you've been noting about the leftists of the FBI. Well, number one is why is FBI leadership so bent on protecting Joe and Hunter Biden? They have had that laptop since well before the election that propelled Biden into office and sent uh, President Trump to the curb. More than two years and they haven't been able to come up with anything solid off of it, even though we've seen some of what goes on inside different news organizations, like they've actually published little bits here and there. And it's pretty uh, wildly illegal. Well, absolutely. And all of the FBI agents that are coming forward as whistleblowers and other tech technical type people have said that they knew within 15 minutes that his phone and his laptop were authenticated and that they were the real deal. Which is really funny in the not so funny way in that the Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, on Joe Rogan podcast just recently had the uh, mentioned that the FBI met with him about the laptop and claimed that Russian disinformation would be forthcoming. They did the same thing with Twitter and other big platforms. So they 
alerted them to Russian disinformation that was going to hit, you know, the scenes of the American uh, public and news organizations and that they needed to understand that it would sway the election and it was going to be false. At least they alluded to the fact that it was false. Well, it's interesting. Only Excuse me. There's only Russian disinformation towards one party and not the other. Yeah, never towards the other party. When the other party, the other party leadership, I say the Democratic National Committee, were the ones that were actually perpetrating all this against Trump. You know, you hear this on the news all the time that the dossier and all that was bought and paid for by the Hillary campaign. Right, yada, because yada, they yada. own the DNC. They they funded the DNC. So. Right. If you followed all that money trail and everything, it was, in fact, funded by the... But, you know, you have a president who ran for president twice, was clearly beaten in the primaries, was caught plagiarizing speeches multiple times, is a racist, is a bigot, and he's probably other things that we're fully unaware of. Well, something that we are aware of is he's a child sniffer. Yes, one of the largest law enforcement organizations we have is on his side. Yes, is on his side and going to whatever lengths they can to protect him and his family. Well, maybe because they know this is just me speculating, but maybe it's because they know they own him. They have all this dirt, too, and they could put the real dirt out there. And not that real dirt hasn't come, but they can put the real, real dirt out there. And so they know that they have a puppet that they own. And so they're happy to keep him in place because if they have someone that is not a puppet, someone that they don't own, they can't get away with as much as they do. Then they have to make stuff up just like they did during the Trump campaign. Okay, so let's talk about that too. So back with the Russian disinformation. So this is um, for our listeners, we're talking about the 2020 campaign right now, or at least I'm talking about the 2020 campaign. So Biden has just announced that he has the intention of appointing an MSNBC analyst. His name is Jeremy Bash. Jeremy Bash, yes. He signed on to that intel letter of which 50 intelligence and former intelligence officials signed on to that insisted that Hunter Biden's scandalous laptop, his his dealings, was all Russian disinformation. He's being appointed to Biden's Intelligence Advisory Board. And you can note there that he is a former intelligence official. He worked uh, as, I believe, the chief of staff or CIA uh, official. He was, you know, pretty well into the intel community. And he signed on to that letter that the Russian or the laptop was Russian disinformation. So he did the dirty work by signing that letter. And as an intelligence official, they should have known "Mm, this is likely to be true or not true. Well, I mean, some of his history, he should have been more aware. But here we had 50 intelligence officials, including this guy who's now appointed to a high level position. I, I just they they still exist. They get to go on and they get moved up and they get special jobs. So he does a quid pro Joe. He signs on. (laughs) That's what I was waiting to say. Okay, sorry. Pro Joe. It is a quid. Yes, you did beat me to it, and that's exactly what this is. 
he's being rewarded for what he has done. And he, it's another rat that is mm -hmm. now back in charge of the ship. And then the assistant special agent in charge, um, Tim, I can't pronounce his name. Tebow. Tebow. Really? That's yeah, how you. Not, uh, not, yes. Not the football player, but. Okay. So Tim Tebow team. retires from the FBI now that there's an investigation into his role and the Hunter Biden laptop. It's being looked into. FBI claims he has no role in it. However, it was at the right field office and he was uh, the assistant special agent in charge. So we're supposed to believe from the FBI that he knew nothing, saw nothing, did nothing. And he's retiring Right. You know, some of the some of the big pundits on television are saying that he actually um, resigned and didn't retire. Uh, well, I guess so it's going I don't back know. It's the same. Yeah, because he's going to get his pension. So it doesn't matter yeah. either way. Well, he had over 30 years in. So right. I would be surprised if he's like, yeah, no pension for me. Yeah, nah. no, he'll, he'll get a nice pension. Plus, he'll get a job. He'll get a job on a news network and he'll be able to go spew his lies. So speaking you know, of getting yeah. jobs. I looked into Peter Strzok because I was wondering, what is he doing now? Okay, so I looked into Peter Strzok because I was curious. We see all the 2020 election people now, you know, getting their, their next jobs or their next gigs or something. So what is he doing? Apparently, he got a job at Georgetown University as a teacher at the Foreign Service School. Oh. So he's going to teach people what to do. He's After He's going to teach them how to cheat. And, and, how he, to be, and how to be dishonest. He even sent text messages to his, you know, Amor, his lover there in the FBI, that they were, they had something on Trump that he would never be president. And they were right. going to make sure it never happened and, and whatever. So he was clearly biased. And here he is. Oh, here's your next big gig. Go teach college students. Go teach at this particular school. Yeah. And. Struck, I guess, made uh, an inflammatory, that's a proper term, statement on Twitter a couple days ago about a gentleman that used to be in the Trump cabinet or White House that helped uncover all this Russia fraud. And this redacted um, subpoena, his name is actually on there. They did not redact his name. But the next three pages are 100% redacted. You can't so, know what really, really happened. Yeah, right. Which means that they intend on payback towards him. And his name's Patel. I don't know his full name, but I know it's his uh, last name, I believe, is Patel. Patel. Yeah. But, yeah, they're going to go after him as well, even though he did the proper work and rooted out all this bad because like he probably our, had a little sit down in which they told him you need to be quiet about it. And then he right, wasn't. Right. So the interesting thing about all this is this is the same FBI who continually meddles in elections. Even though if you follow U.S. code, they are not allowed to do what they're doing. And I believe it's Title 52, Subtitle 1 and 2, Voting in Elections. 18 U.S. Code, Chapter 29, is part of the federal penal code that defines offenses to elections and political activity. There's 22 different statutes found within the 29 that are still current and active. Only two of them have been repealed. And that's 18 U.S. Code, Section 591 and 18 U.S. Code, Section 612. 
18 U.S. Code, Section 595, interference by administrative employees of a federal or state municipality or territorial government is against the law and punishable by jail time. And yet they keep doing it, though. Yeah, and yet they keep doing it. Several of them, after this Patel gentleman and our former congressman rooted them out, were fired from the FBI or from other places. I believe only one or two were really held accountable for it. But this thing continues and continues and continues. I, I don't get it. Well, we, well, one side claims that it's good, that they're doing the right thing, and the only side that doesn't like it is the one that's being unjust. Or it, how does it go? It's okay because we don't like him. It's okay right. because we don't like Trump. So then you have all these people that said, even if true, I still support it. So they, I know some people have been rooted out. Probably, they probably had other things on them. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a little bit, um, I'd be surprised at how many people would be held to account because Strzok was fired from his gig on the Mueller investigation, but he was never really fired, fired. Like he's no, still, he's turned out just fine. If you don't punitively damage them and you don't hurt them, just like the full force of the federal government, if you remember back, that went after that young kid that took a handful of pictures of his job, which was on a submarine but it was only of the galley and birthing and stuff. Right. Like that. No, no places that were really just like, you can't right. go. Yeah. Right. And he went to prison for that. And these guys sway elections that have consequences for 300 million people. And not only does it have consequence for American citizens, you have these guys in DC right now that are responsible for arming up Ukraine and apparently a lot of the money we're sending to them is going to the Ukrainian oligarchs. So they're paying them off. What for? So, yes. Here you go. Again. Oh, I wonder what we're paying them off for. Maybe this is a part of uh, Biden owing. Follow the money. That's why I had said originally we need to see which building was the very first one that went up in smoke. And that's probably the one that housed all the information on his son and his business dealings. I mean, conspiracy, conspiracy, but you know what? It's only a conspiracy until it's proven to have been factual. True story. Well, if Robert Mueller can go to the University of Virginia School of Law and help teach a class on his Trump-Russia investigation, I suppose that anything's possible. Anything and everything. He's trying to what, teach how to waste government funds teach how we really are swaying the election for one. I don't know exactly what he's going to teach, but uh, you have that. You have money going straight to Ukraine over and over again. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't help allies out. So don't read into that part of it. But we have money after never ending money going to Ukraine. And as you said, it's not going to where you think you're, it's supposed to be going. You're not helping civilians or arming citizens or well so that's the interesting thing there is a committee or a group that tracks arms sales around the world and they generally report every year where our weapon sales are going to how much money what kinds of weapons on and on and on well apparently this administration has blocked that now this year where they won't even tell you or post or put into documentation what's going where 
And why wouldn't we tell what's going where if everything's kind of an open sort of situation, especially in the U.S. government? I mean, so much is open. And one of the things that, that they accused Trump of was hiding information. Yet this next presidency is hiding more than Trump could ever dream of. I mean, they just raided his office there in Mar-a-Lago because they said that he had presidential records and National Archive records, which it would mean that it's a public issue and a public records issue. And the whole idea is that you need to keep public records around. Yet here you're shutting it down lawfully. Yep. I, doesn't make sense. No, because one side over the other gets to do what they want. And the other side tries to be honest to what we see, and they just continually get pummeled. And talk you know, about, he, go ahead. He's not the, the only one, you know, because you have the, the small entities like Project Veritas. You have other former cabinet members that are getting their houses raided. You have that because they have an R after the, their name or they worked for the man. It's open season and open game to go ahead and go after them and do everything you can to destroy them, to bankrupt them, to break them, while the real criminals, and you know, it's hard to say this, it's hard for me to say what I want to say, because you know what, it, it would be terrible for the FBI or an organization to compound it down our door, because they think we have said or done something that doesn't meet their criteria. But you know, you have somebody like the Clintons, it's a group of four or five little families there that are all little mafiosa-style families that continually, over years and years and years, get away with whatever. Whatever they want to do. Whatever. Then you have somebody like Hillary who goes and gives a speech, and it's 30 minutes long, and she makes a quarter million dollars. Now, if that isn't quid pro quo and paying somebody for lack of knowledge, because she doesn't have any knowledge that anybody needs, you know, nor does the previous president two back, uh, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama's wife, and they're padding them with millions and millions as well. Right. So they get to buy two oceanfront sea level properties while claiming that the sea levels are rising and you should give them more money for more speeches to help combat sea level rising. And they're going to do that by jet setting all around <laughs> to talk about combating Pollution. Well, and I, and I heard a good I heard a good point about Washington D.C. and other states and this global warming, climate change, rising seas, whatever you want to call it. If they truly felt that it was a problem, they would have stopped this jet setting right off the bat. That would have been the very first thing. I don't want to be a part of the problem. Right. If fossil so I'm fuels, stop. Yep. Yeah, if fossil fuels are the issue, then they would have stopped this right away. You mean all people or just them, like lead by example, or just stop well, all people? They, like them, they should, they should okay. start leading by example first. Set the bar. Okay. They need to set the bar. Guys like John Kerry and others need to stop flying in their G10s around the world telling us how we should live. You know, Do you we know need... who else is a frequent flyer and flying around? Who's that? Harrison Ford. Of course. And he also is a climate change activist, much like John Kerry. But John Kerry has now made a new career out of it, as you were yes. just noting, John Kerry. Yeah, and that's another person we can't dive into his records to see how much he's flying, how much we're spending, and what we're They've paying for this them. guy. Yeah, to go. And it's a 
kind of a, a non-professional term that I use, but, you know, for him to go somewhere, run his mouth, you know, he really doesn't have anything that we need to hear. Like I say, you go to one volcano and I've said it on several podcasts when it's erupting, you show me you can shut it off. I'll listen to you when it comes to global warming. Otherwise, quit trying to pick our pockets. Tell us how to live. Just like the founder of Microsoft who thinks that he knows better than I, that I can't go to Roos Chris and have a ribeye. I need to jump online and buy a pack of meat that's not meat. Right. You got to buy a fake meat that he owns all of the properties, making all of the different components to then go and make the fake meat. Somewhere. And that's another money exchange. It's all yeah. it is. That is all it is. So Pennsylvania, it's interesting that the governor would like to give families that make under $80,000 a check for 2000 bucks to help them combat inflation. Okay. So we're going to combat inflation by increasing inflation. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. He says that they can afford it. He estimates that about 250,000 families could use the extra money. Okay. So I'll, I'll accept that, that they're going to give 2000 Like what made them pick 80000 80000 a year? Was it enough voters? Did they determine that people making right. 80000 were now the new, you know, 50000 what made them decide on 80? Right. Well, they probably do some type of research, and that's how they figure out their voting blocks. If they get people that make 80,000, they're probably voters, they're probably Democrats. Give them an extra 2,000, that'll ensure them at least another election or two. Agreed. Well, oh, we're almost getting to October because California has already said that they're going to give us our inflation checks. But I am disappointed to learn that it is not going to be what Pennsylvania standard, which is $2,000. California is 350 per person. But you have to be making 75000 individual, and I think it's $150,000 a family. And then if you are married with one child or more and you make under $150,000, they are going to give you an additional 350 So you can get up to... $1,050. That's what they're dropping that right before the election. Well, of course, because they want voters. They want votes. Yeah. You know, now the, the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania, who's running for higher office, I think he's running for Congress or the Senate. Not sure. His name's John Fetterman. And he opposes voter ID laws. I don't know how you feel about voter ID laws, but I know how I feel about them. I feel like we should have either voter ID or some sort of other verification that we can do. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can do voter verification. I feel like in a way we're kind of going a little, well, on one hand, we're saying no ID. You can just vote. You can say who you are. You don't even have to say who you are. <laughs> we'll give you a little ticky mark and then you can vote. We really don't care if you're lawful or not. But one of the problems that I have is if you move around, re-registering your new address, even though you're already registered, can be cumbersome. So I feel like the registration should follow the person and then maybe do like a fingerprint check. Oh, is it you? Come in person, you know, stick down your finger. And then if something happens, like you have no fingers or you you work in an industry that's caustic to hands and say so you're... Um, your fingerprints, your fingerprints. Went, yes, 
So then maybe we can do a, a secondary wave. But instead, you go to your precinct and you say, I live at this address. This is where I'm at. I want to vote in this precinct. Here's my finger. Done. Right. You've already registered. You've proven. I don't understand why that's a problem. I have to have a driver license to drive. I have to use that to fly. I don't just have they won't just let me fly. I can't just say you don't have a right to know who I am. <laughs> they verify within, you know, you spell your name wrong on a ticket, on an airline ticket, and they're going to deny you the ability to fly on that ticket. So well, yes. I don't understand why this is a problem, really. Well, that's very well spoken. Would you like to know why he is opposed to voter ID laws? Yeah, sorry for my tangent. But why no, I like, your, I like our tangents. That's what makes this thing work. It's because people of color are less likely to have their ID at any one given time. Do you know that that has been debunked and that is entirely racist? You are like correct. That is racist. Did you know if you're poor, you can get an ID? I'm talking about the state of California. Maybe Pennsylvania is discriminatory against poor people. I don't know. You, If you don't have money, you can go to California and get an ID at a reduced or free cost. Like they will get you your ID. There, there are so many programs for free stuff. It's unreal. Well, he says that voter ID laws are insidious and unnecessary. So let's back that up. What you just said, though, according to a 2015 study by Project Vote, 87 percent of black voters reported having an ID, while only 13 percent didn't. Okay. 90% of Hispanics had IDs. Okay. And, nine, and 95% of whites had IDs. Okay, so we're 5 to 8% over what black and is. So they're, they're, that would be their argument statistically, is that statistically white people have access to IDs more so than other people of other races or ethnicities. Well, they, they furthered the study. And 46 out of 47 European nations require voter ID. And when they interviewed and did a poll, voter ID laws are very popular among Americans and are supported by a supermajority of black voters. Oh, well, that's that's interesting that the very people that they claim are disenfranchised by it and would be against it are the ones that are saying that they support it. And and this brings me off on a little tangent here, sidebar to voter ID. And it basically has nothing to do with voter ID, but I'll springboard to the next thing, which is fentanyl. And our president and the leadership back in D.C. and other parts of states within this country that are heck bent on eliminating the Second Amendment when they say that assault weapons, which when you look at the sum total of the parts, the gun they're talking about is an AR-15 semi-automatic weapon. It is not an assault weapon, number one. Okay, number one, not an assault weapon. What's number two? Number two is there's more people dying weekly of fentanyl overdoses than have ever died of AR-15 attacks. And number three? 
they need to stop with ratcheting up this rhetoric and getting people so angry that they copycat and they mimic past shooters and they go act out. If they would just focus their energy on stopping the import of fentanyl from China up through the Mexican border, we would be way better served than focusing all this energy on a rifle. So talking about your rhetoric statement, uh, Joe Biden just gave a speech. I don't remember exactly when it was published, but he just gave a speech in which he said that the bullet out of an AR-15 goes five times faster than any other bullet, any other standard bullet. wonder where he got his ballistics lesson from. Uh, apparently an idiot or on <laughs> maybe on Twitter. But yeah, he actually said when he was speaking about violence in America that it was five times faster. Even though it's actually, for those listeners who are unaware, it's actually the same or in some cases slower than some, if you will, standard bullets. Yes. Yes, it is. But, yeah, so it's just, they'll say whatever they want and they'll get away with it. Yes, and, and the interesting thing for me, which bothers me, is they talk this rhetoric all the time. They talk about how we need to let people up from the southern border. They talk about how we need to provide for people. Yet their idea of providing, if you look at the homeless problem here in the United States of America and probably around the world, they're not doing a very good job at anything. No. No, they're really not doing a very good job, but they'll they'll take more of your money and fix that. More of your yeah. money will fix this problem. And, and there Whatever goes that, that. hand-wringing thing I say all the time. They create the problem, and then they're they say they're the, the fix, the solution, yes. and they're not. They are not. They are definitely not the solution. So going into this, let me jump back to Pennsylvania and the money handouts and the future uh, California handouts and all the other states. So it's a never-ending pandemic perk, and it's actually fueling labor shortages. So now that we have a student bailout that's going to cost the taxpayers $500 million. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. No, you said it with the wrong number of zeros. I hate to correct you. $500 billion? Billion. Oh, Oh, if it was only... If it was only five hundred million. It oh, would I was way off. I was thinking it was five hundred million. My bad. Five hundred billion, and that's just this particular little handout is guesstimated. They're trying to do their best estimates on how many people make how much money and how many of them have student loans. So it's an estimate right. at five upwards of five hundred billion. Like how, like every, like everything else is and an like everything else and everything being an emergency and them using this emergency authorization because we're in a state of emergency with this pandemic still. Um, they have been quietly forgiving tens of thousands of dollars in student loans for certain government and public service workers, government workers, they've been quietly forgiving them um, up some up to $60,000. And I'm sure it's both sides. With this emergency authorization. Right, and I'm sure it's both sides. 
why don't they, like I always say, look at interest rates, lower the interest rate on the loans because the government took over student loans. And once they took over the student loans because they felt everybody should get a loan, uh, they should right. just lower they the interest rates the and make it more affordable. They created the problem. Now they're coming in on a white horse so I believe saying it was, that there's a solution. I believe it was under President Obama that they started um, just exponentially increasing the loan amounts and abilities. I can't remember exactly what he signed, but there was a piece that he signed that caused the loans to go mostly through the federal government and there's no private, um, it's harder for private loans to compete. And then they increase the amounts that you can get through the government. So now schools increase the amounts that it costs to go to school because they knew that they could get all of that money. Oh, kind of like they, what was, what was in yeah. that little package with the, um, buying electric cars, you buy an electric car and then you get a potential discount or a credit. Yet the car dealerships raise the price that same exact amount. Right. So um, it has just been raised to oh, what was it? One of the new electric vehicles. So the the amount that there's going to be a credit for with the the federal government's like seven thousand, and they seven, just raised yeah. raised the cost of the car to eight thousand. So they actually yeah. just went like a little bit a little bit over. Further. Yeah, that's 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 amazing. But like with the loans, there's also an organization that has been looking at hiring people because of all this stuff that's going on. And they have found that 64% of business owners tried to hire workers last month. And they found that 91% of them were unqualified applicants to fill out their positions because we don't have people wanting to work because of the free money. Right now, now we're paying off their student loans, which I bet you most of those folks probably are six figured incomes by now. And we're helping the wrong people. Again. Well, and then they said they would agree to forgive the loans uh, up to 10,000 in some cases, 20,000. If you received a Pell grant, you can get up to 20,000 forgiven. But with the. 10,000, you can make 125,000 as a single, or if you're married, you can make up to $250,000. So let's just, I don't know how many families are out there, but let's just do for the sake of argument, you have a woman who is a lawyer earning $240,000 a year and a man who is a stay-at-home dad. She can get $10,000 forgiven, even though she's got a high-powered job, she's making good money, uh, arguably could pay it back if she's making $240,000 a year. But because she's married, she gets to go to that $250,000 a year household cap. And that can be true both ways, man working, woman staying at home, woman working, man, you get an extra bonus. And then if you have two individuals who are each making $125,000. So that's a pretty good job for each of them. Now they can get each 10,000 forgiven. So there's 20,000 forgiven on a $250,000 a year salary or annual household income, not a salary. So why are we forgiving the loans of people who are making a quarter million dollars? Because Maybe that is voters a scenario or that plays. <laughs> Because that's 125000 We're not talking about low income at that point. 
So no, and that's why a lot of um, even Democrats across the nation were upset that he was doing this because they know what it is. They can see who's being paid back here. Yeah, and so just for our listeners, he used the emergency authorization uh, that was given to him by virtue of there being a state of emergency with COVID, or sorry, with the pandemic. And he gets to, that's what he's using to write off these $10,000 in student loans per person. Now, they, what's funny, though, is they say there's a state of emergency, and that's how they're able to write it off. But then they say there's no state of emergency, and that's how people are able to come into the United States unlawfully. And they're not deporting them anymore is because there's no state of emergency. So they get to talk out of both sides of their mouths, depending on which policy they are trying to, you know, put forward, which voting block they're trying to put forward. It's amazing. This this whole system is it's interesting to try to follow. It's like a Rubik's cube and geopolitics is getting really interesting and dangerous around the world, too, especially now that China is trying to flex their muscle. And uh, everybody in the world is pretty much beholden to them in the pharmaceutical industry. And China has started going around the Pacific and the Indo-Pacific and they're bribing and trying to convince other island nations that they need to follow them and not the U.S. or Britain or Australia or New Zealand. And that's been a slow-going process, but they've been ramping up. Yes, because there is a book by an old warrior by the name of Sun Tzu. It's called The Art of War, and it's tactical, tactical positions and how you can take, you know, thousands of years to meet the end game because they have plenty of time. They have plenty of people. Right. Cause your base, people are still your people. Yes, so you always can. Cons- yeah, yeah. Sorry. They're not in a hurry. That's okay. So we had a U.S. Coast Guard ship that was denied entry into the Solomons within really? the last week. Yes. No way. Yes. They tried radioing and calling leadership there in the Solomons. Nobody would answer. Went on deaf ears. So the um, ship. Hey, I wasn't the, there. The ship, the Oliver, nah, Hen- the Oliver Henry, decided to go to Papua New Guinea, and the Royal Britain's Royal Navy had the exact same problem, so they diverted to Papua New Guinea as well. And what those ships are doing there, they're all working together, supposedly helping these island nations combat illegal fishing. Okay. So they try to help the Solomons and others combat illegal fishing, yet they're denied port of entry into the country. That is, but then then they never heard back, like just complete radio silence. just complete radio silence. They never were a fax, an email, a phone call, radio, nothing was returned. Call to D.C. saying, tell your coasties to stay away for the next two weeks or anything, like just nothing. Right, right. Yeah, it's just one of my military shorts. I found that interesting. I also have found the the 3M lawsuit for um, hearing aids, or excuse me, uh, not hearing aids, but um, earplugs. Earplugs. Thank you very much. Yeah, so, I heard about a little bit about that, but I wasn't. I didn't follow up with it. What happened? Well, an Iraq War veteran actually wrote this article in Navy Times, and he says, "Forget 3M." 
Let's focus on what is best for the vets with their hearing loss. And the hearing loss issue has become front and center following a medical report and a high-profile multi-district litigation or lawsuit against 3M's subsidiary. And it's Aero or Acaro Technologies, which sold its combat earplugs to the DOD. Well, unfortunately, thousands of vets were issued these and now claim hearing loss, loss and what I have. Tinnitus. Tinnitus. Oh, yes. Good old ringing of the ears. Yes. This is one of the largest cases in history. The interesting thing is that 3M allowed its sub to file bankruptcy. That way they could move the lawsuit into a different direction. They were hoping to wipe out some of the debt. Yes, and they could put money aside and they could continue without litigation going on for years and years, according to 3M. So they put a billion dollars in a trust fund to help the injured vets with hearing loss and settlements and payouts. Well, the gentleman that wrote the article, his name was Christopher or is Christopher Nguyen. So he waited for 10 years to be properly diagnosed with a pulmonary disease. And he still to this day has not gotten one penny in a payout, according to him. That is not a surprise. I mean, mine took 14 years and going back and forth and all of that. So I'm not surprised that in a, I mean, I know my case is my case, but to me in a bigger case, it's not a surprise that they would stall or say it's not involved or things like that i mean the va just kind of a to go with that the va denied veterans at an error rate of almost 40 percent for the camp lejeune water contamination situation now camp lejeune we talk about water a lot on military bases they had contaminated water they had a lot of birth defects they had a lot of medical issues and then they allow like sent out mass notices. Hey, were you ever at Camp Lejeune? Did you ingest the water, et cetera, et cetera? Well, all of these veterans and other people were able to file for damages. And in the VA, it's just get medical care and then get monthly payments depending on what your issue is. And they denied it at an error rate of almost 40% when the files are reviewed. Well, that's so, what I had always said about Agent Orange and things like that as they try to run the clock out. They will just wait until you're dead. So hopefully most of them will die and they won't have to pay out a lot. And that, that is a sad thing to say, but I think it's uh, pretty close to accurate. Yeah, and in some cases, depending on what it is, I mean, the VA is never going to be held to account. They'll just reorganize just like the CDD, CDC just did. They said we got some things wrong during this pandemic. So what are they doing now? They're reorganizing. So that's what the government does. They reorganize. They can't go back and fix it. I mean, you can't go backwards. The person had health issues that are just getting worse. So that's just, you know, the, or if they're old enough and they're in a veteran's home, um, there's actually a lawsuit that's going on right now that actually the workers of the veteran homes were forced to not wear any PPE. So usually in a medical facility, you would expect some mask wearing or some, you know, 
different levels, gloves, masks, things like that, depending on what it is that they're helping the veteran with. Apparently, in some of these veteran homes, they wouldn't let them wear any PPE at all whatsoever. And then they also put COVID positive patients with non-COVID positive patients who had major health issues. Uh, so what's the outcome going to be? Are they going to do anything about the veterans' homes? No, no ultimately. Of course not. Of course they're so, not. But now they have less patients to worry about. They do. They Sorry, have a small, a they smaller. Cynical. Yeah, they have a smaller populace to deal with now. So Afghanistan. It's been one, a year since the pullout. One year. Botched, botched yes. pullout. Well, isn't it interesting that our president, Joe Biden, commemorated the heroes killed one year ago in the Cabal airport attack? And I thought, what? Wait a minute. The hasty retreat. Wasn't that his idea? Yes. So he is commemorating something. That he is responsible for. Yes. That makes zero sense. And as an aside, apparently a military member, I don't know if they're a veteran and they spoke out or if they're still active, but a military member has come out and claimed that the CIA warned them two days ahead of time to be on the lookout for this potential suicide bomber. So they knew it was coming too. Oh, kind of like... Was that Libya? Yes. And, and the military annex? And they killed um, four? Yes. And four they knew the, and they knew the attack was coming, and we did nothing. And then when Hillary spoke before the committee. Won't you just forget it or something like yeah, what does it and matter? She basically said, what does it matter? It's already a done deal. It mattered because those were American citizens that lost their lives trying to defend other American citizens on it's technically U.S. soil. Yes. Because it's an embassy, but it's on foreign soil. And another case where one side or the other gets protected when something like that happens. Right. She I mean, I, I know there was statements that she just slept through it, that she wouldn't wake up. She told them to go away. Or would it be a uh, they wouldn't she wouldn't wake up for such a situation. There's also talk that they changed the contract with the guards that were supposed to be guarding the embassy there. Um, and who they contracted with were known like unknowns. So they con contracted with unknown locals to guard the embassy. Right. They, they unfortunately set themselves up. Yes. Yeah. But it's interesting that during that whole process afterwards, there was an at retired admiral that was on the news because you and I watched the news quite a bit. And he basically laid the whole scenario out. He knew the people there. He knew the annex. He knew the ambassador. He knew that we were running guns. He had direct inside knowledge that we were moving weapons around and that sort of thing. And Ambassador and, Stevens is also doing it, right? Yes. And within two days, that admiral was gone, no longer on the news, and you didn't hear hide nor hair of him again. So somebody, somebody obviously went to him and said, if you want to keep your pension, you, you will might, shut up. 
you might want to shut up and take this last check they gave you and go away. Which I'm sure happens on a quite regular basis. Yeah, you wonder, why did this person disappear? Because they got disappeared. Yes. They they got disappeared. Okay, let's talk about something positive. Let's let's get in a positive realm. One of our favorite favorite states, favorite places, Hawaii. The islands of Aloha. Yes. Um the Little League World Series just occurred and Hawaii defeated Curacao to win the Little League World Series. So I thought that was a great great thing for uh for Hawaii and for those boys who won it. So they they defeated Curacao in the championships thirteen to three and they got run ruled. It was a mercy rule. <laughs> they were <laughs> beating them by more than ten, so they got run ruled. That's how it stopped was a run rule. And that's awesome. And I believe that Hawaii won it um three or four years ago too. Uh, they're pretty dominant from what yeah. I recall. They're very, very good. So that was uh, our positive news. We're, we're that, not trying to be all positive. drab. Yeah. Not trying, trying to be, to be all, all drab. drab. <laughs> Another bit of positive news actually for Fresno. So two Fresno siblings have received scholarships for their drought technology. So a brother and sister from Fresno are being recognized and given scholarships through the Davidson Fellowship Scholarship Program because they uh, have come up with technology to help farmers better prepare for drought conditions. They are 17 and 15. So 17 year old John Estrada and 15 year old Pauline Estrada received the $25,000 scholarship. They created a model that predicts the drought stress of tomato plants in California. And the goal is to better utilize water resources, which is tremendous for the Central Valley, since we always seem to be in a state of drought. Yes, we we do. Kudos to them. So what's going on in the world of Elon Musk and him backing out of the Twitter purchase? So from what I have been seeing and reading is that he is pointing to... um, different components showing that Twitter lied uh, at different points to either the government or in its filings, which is technically to the government, to its stakeholders, to try and support a higher valuation on the stock market, their stock purchase price, and that they have been lying for some time, and that apparently there was some other federal mandate that they follow for, I think it was securing information, securing people's information and how they handled it. And it was a settlement from like a decade ago that the claim is a whistleblower came out and said they haven't been following that either. So he seems to be taking a multifaceted approach, saying all the things that Twitter has done wrong and that they weren't as valuable as they claimed to have been because of all their lies. Right, because so of he's lies still trying to fraud. cancel. Yeah, yep, he's trying can, to cancel based on fraud. Yes, they can be charged with securities fraud. Yes, so that is they're they're in front of a special judge that will determine if they are to force the agreement to go through. That's what Twitter's trying to do is to force the agreement, and I believe the stock purchase price of 
$54.20 a share, or if some other share price will be made up or if the, it will be canceled altogether because of said lies. And I guess Elon Musk has even subpoenaed the former head, Jack Dorsey, because of hmm. information that he would have been somehow involved in, because he was the former CEO, so he might have been involved in filings that were unlawful. So go we'll af- see. Go, go after them all. Maybe he'll buy them out of bankruptcy court. Maybe that's <laughs> he's maybe like, that's his, maybe that's your valuation is dirt. Yeah. yeah, buy them up and get them going. Well, I like the fact that San Francisco, the San Franciscans, are saying no to more taxation until they fix this homeless situation. Well, maybe they'll do what New York. No, was it New York? L.A. New York, I think, wants to do it too. But L.A. wants to pass an ordinance. It would be within L.A. That every day at 2 p.m., all local hotels must report if they have any vacancies and how many, and then they need to accept vouchers uh, to house the homeless and then accept homeless in their facilities. So maybe San Francisco will do that next. Although if they're paying for it, that they'll have to raise that money. So that might not be the answer that they want to hear. Yes. I, I mean, we've talked about homeless in the past and. It's not a, it's not an easy fix. It's a multifaceted fix. Cause they're, they're treating it as strictly housing right now. Well, if you house them, everything else will come, which is not during the pandemic. They actually started housing people under voucher programs and it caused a lot of problems. There's a reason why the hotels didn't continue. And that's because they had a lot of police interaction. They had people who were mentally unstable and then were assaulting or threatening employees who wouldn't leave if they were causing trouble. So that what just housing without the mental health component doesn't work. But yet they just, I mean, LA just wants to do more of it. San Francisco, good for them for saying, we're not giving you more money because the money is not solving our problems. Money misspent. You know, I'm going to change gears again. Sorry. I don't change them. I don't watch NBA basketball anymore because I think that uh, it's gone in the wrong direction, if you ask me. And this just reaffirms it now that the NBA commissioner has said that all unvaccinated NBA players and staff must take a weekly COVID test. It's interesting that this Shouldn't vaccinated have to? They're passing this along. Yes, because they are part of the problem because this latest strain that's almost gone, by the way, uh, the immune escape is 100%. It gets past everybody, vaccinated or not. Right. And you can't do one or two or three or four or five boosters and continue down this same line. So this this guy, I don't know where he's getting his science from, but he's like Dr. F. He's got his head up Dr. F's um, entrails. Well, they what they've done is they've made such cult-like followers out of people that they are doing what they've been indoctrinated to do almost, uh, which is... Early on, they were saying that 
you must do this in order to be a good citizen and stop the spread, they're still back there. They're not taking on any future information. They don't want to be open-minded into thinking that they were wrong. Now, this guy is tripling and quadrupling down that they still had it right when they first said that the vaccinated, you know, solves, vaccination solves all the problems. Well, just be a simple person like me and just put your, put your mindset at an NBA game. Okay. You go sit down, even if you're front row, right on the court, you have 10 players out on the court, lots of close contact and separation. Okay. Not wearing masks. Right. Vaccinated or un. Then you turn around and you look up in the stands. Most of those stadiums, I think, hold about 20,000 people. So what do yeah, you think? You're, what, what are you going to stop? You're not stopping anything. You want to, you want to correct the problem? What your perceived problem? Shut down the entire season for five years until you're 100% certain that this thing's gone. Right. Why wouldn't you do that? Like, if you really think that that's the problem, no, you're not going to stop your money making opportunity. You're willing to continue to make money and put people's health at risk. You're just going to make it a little more inconvenient, but you're still willing to take the money and put people's health at risk. That that part doesn't make sense. And I'm saying put people's health at risk because they're kind of indicating that they believe that it's a risk. So but I'm not saying that it's any more or less of a risk. I'm just saying that they're willing, their willingness to put the almighty dollar in their pocket instead of, like you said, shut down, shut down for five years or how we talked about early on. All of the states, blue states, our state, California decided they they were going to shut down, but only kind of. They were then going to pick the winners and losers, the Walmarts, the Targets, the Costcos, the big box, the congregating places, all of that. That was okay. So money in a certain direction, golden. But then the churches, oh, well, they don't pay tax. They're nonprofit. So they have to shut down. Mom and pop, they're not giving us enough money. They have to shut down. So they, again, was it about our health? Because if it was about our health and this was the way forward, everything would have been 100% locked down. Not saying that that also is a solution because Australia did that and it didn't work. But just as an aside, if you really think that that's how to do it. Well, they were unwilling to adjust their policies because they thought that they knew it all. Right. And that's another thing, too, like you've noted. No policy adjustments at all. Yeah, let's let's close the beaches down when it turns out that the best and the safest places for everybody to go would have been to the beach because they were so separated. Separated, from, exercising, yes. outdoors, vitamin D. Yes, and let's close the gyms. You know, they, their biggest thing was oh, comorbidities, people that have issues, people that have health issues that are obese, that are overweight. So let's shut them down, lock them down, and keep them in their house so they can get bigger. And then add more because people are kind of made it a, a joke like the pandemic 15, like the college 15. Your freshman year of college, you gain 15 pounds because now you have no parent that's really telling you what to eat. So you start kind of eating worse and not exercising as much, and you gain the freshman 15. When people joke about it, oh, during the pandemic, I started you know, eating unhealthy, maybe drinking to excess, whether it's 
soda pop. I know I drink quite a bit of coffee and that's not always the healthiest thing, but you end up drinking to excess. You end up eating to excess. You end up doing all of these things. You're not allowed to go to the gym, can't go outdoors. So now you're, you're gaining the, the pandemic 15 or more. And we created more problems, more comorbidities, more unhealthy people by doing what we did. How did that, and, and now we're, we're never admitting fault with that. Oh, hey, maybe we should have had people exercise more. So now let's encourage people. We'll give out free gym memberships. Why not pay for gym memberships now? Like, let's go infuse money into the gyms we shut down. And then let's go tell people to get healthy by giving them a, a free free gym membership. Don't get me wrong. I know that's our tax dollars, but, you know, choices. Well, that's a perk they're giving to a bunch of uh, government workers back in D.C., Peloton membership. Oh, right. The, the Peloton Remember we talked act. about that about 10 <laughs> yes. episodes back. Yeah. But it's not all people, good no. old government workers. I yes. mean, I used to be one, so I don't know. Okay, so I used to be one. And as an aside, there were some things that the government would do that I just didn't understand why they were doing that. It doesn't happen in the private sector, so why would they do it for the public sector? It seemed, or yeah, the government sector, it seemed like a waste of money. And it was. And it's not fair for me as a government worker to have a benefit that's really not afforded to the rest of society. For instance, a government pension. You can get a government pension after so many years of service, but pensions are no longer really in existence at companies anymore. We've done away with pensions. We encourage 401ks, but government pensions are gone. So why would the government have a pension when everybody else is doing away with it? That's fact, because that's what they do. Hey, did you know that our president's wife i did not know this until right now that she tested positive again isn't that like time number three she was a rebounder after she took the antiviral drug plaxlovid so is this number two or number three did she rebound again this is number two this is the rebound i did not know she had rebounded i know you and i talked about it and said because she's going to take the same thing her husband did, and Fauci did, that she was going to end up getting it again. And, and lo and behold, she did. Lo and behold, she did. Well, that's because the pill, is meant, I believe, was only tested in people who were unvaccinated. Unvaxxed, yes. Only recommended for people who were unvaccinated. So why are they? I understand she has a health risk of being older. You know, yeah, she's older 71. Than 75, 71 yeah. I think she's 71. She's 71. And so... They're giving it to people with risk factors, but yet it wasn't really designed for them. It was designed for risk factors and unvaccinated, from what I recall. Well, did you know that there is a new vaccine? A new, new vaccine? Yes, a new, new vaccine, and it does not use mRNA. Really? Well. Johnson and Johnson didn't use mRNA, so is it one outside of Johnson and Johnson? It's outside of Johnson and Johnson as well. Okay. This is actually one that they probably have been studying for a while and realized it would have been a better one than the mRNA. 
or the Johnson and Johnson one and done. But there is no such thing as one and done. Because it's one and more. <laughs> it's one it's, and keep it's going. It's one, one more and then one more and then one yes. more. One is never enough. One is never enough. So you know who else believes one is never enough? Who's that? 70% of criminal suspects who were released on $0 bail, the one crime wasn't enough. 70% of criminal suspects went on to commit a new crime. So one was not enough. No, it's called the recidivism rate was really yeah. high. It was 70%. $0 bail didn't. You're being nice to people and not sticking them in jail. And they thought, well, thank you. Let me go commit another crime. Repeat offenders are repeat offenders. Yeah. Because like somebody at work that I had a discussion with, he said that the human condition people are inherently good. Well, when you take the sum total of the parts, I disagree. Humans are inherently bad. If we weren't, we wouldn't need a million laws and law enforcement to keep us in check. Right. Well, even a, in, go ahead. There is a small percentage. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, but there is a small percentage that is inherently good. But overall, we're not. Well, I mean, if you, I understand that not everybody is religious, but if you look at it from a Christian perspective, we are all sinners. And so we are, we have our sins and we will commit sins and we are not perfect people. I am not a perfect person by any measure. And then our level of, if you will, imperfectness is different. And so I'm not, I understand not every listener is a Christian. And I, I mean no disrespect by bringing up my, my views of, as far as like my, me and my religion. And I do believe that I'm a sinner. Um, and that Jesus died, uh, for my sins, but that doesn't mean all of my sins are washed away now. And I am a perfect person because Jesus died for me. So that let's not like get that confused, but I will still sin. I will commit sins, but it doesn't mean I will commit, you know, all of these crimes against society. And it's not forgiven if I should turn around and start committing crimes. I can't say, well, I'm a Christian and my sins are forgiven. That's <laughs> also not how it works. Right. Um, it doesn't give you an open checkbook. Right. It's not an open checkbook. And, and I understand like the view of forgiveness, forgiving people who made mistakes, but it's not forgive and forget and let happen again. We can't keep forgetting and just allowing the crimes to happen again. So for instance, there was a bail fund out of Minnesota that Vice President Kamala Harris backed, supported, touted, whatever you want to say it was called the Minnesota Freedom Fund and she she touted it and she encouraged Twitter users to donate to it and then uh, it turns out that the Minnesota Freedom Fund is responsible for posting bail for an individual who ultimately ended up committing murder so he was out on bail in connection with indecent exposure and then he allegedly fired six bullets into his victim at a light rail stop there in St. Paul, killing him. So they they let out a man who indecently exposed himself. And then he went on to kill. Um, so this is just who we should let out and post bail for. 
And that was Kamala Harris supporting letting people out. And it was almost, it's not a $0 bail, but it's a lack of accountability bail. Here's the money, get out. Well, that's the thing. They do not hold people accountable for their actions anymore. No. Or they do, and we just didn't watch years ago and understand it. It's exactly the same now, but there's just a bigger population, so it's on a larger scale. Right, or the percentage is just holding true, even though there's right. more more people. Right, and it'd be nice for uh, statisticians to take a look at things like that as well. Just like I'd like them to take a look at when Congress pumps their chest up, both sides, Democrat and Republican, and they say, oh, yeah, we're going to have a special committee or we're going to we're going to call them before Congress and make them, you know, go under oath and they're going to tell us the truth and we're going to hold them accountable. How many people they actually hold accountable? How many actually get fined? How many get fired? How many go to jail and are actually held to account for their misgivings? A very, very small number, like very minuscule. Yeah, it's probably one out of every 100,000 if they've had that many people before them. Right. They just puff their chest, speak their piece, get their little their little clips in that they're going to sell, you know, on social media. And then they move on. Look, I did my best, but we just didn't have the votes. Even though if the person did the wrong action, everybody should be willing to hold them accountable. Well, you're right, and that's the thing. So, you know, our Republican Party has now said if we win back the House and the Senate this November, then we are going to pull all these people in and we're going to make them raise their right hand and we're going to hold them, you know, to account. Well, when they had the presidency, the Senate, and the House just a couple short years ago, why did they not hold everybody accountable then? Right, then they before, put things off. Yes. And before that, when Obama was in office and the Republicans had the House and the Senate for a while, why didn't they hold people accountable then? And back to Bush and back to Clinton and on and on and on. Right. This, this is starting to be, to me, a real dog and pony show, like you said. And they just do, an, what is that, exercise and fertility? Is that the right phrase? Yeah. I was thinking yeah. that something's going to change as an exercise in futility. See, and that's exactly why I stopped watching one of the Fox News guys by the name of Sean Hannity. Because it was almost like clickbait every night when he would say, oh, yeah, I'm having so-and-so who wrote this book and has all the inside information. And we're, they're going to go after this guy and they're going to find him accountable and blah, blah, blah. And you just hear the same, same old thing. Same old, same old. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. When nothing does happen, then Hannity just moves on to the next subject. Like it never happened. Just move on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to things that never go anywhere. So you look at the Robert Mueller investigation. He went for two years, I believe it was. That went on for two, two and a half years. So he was looking into Trump-Russia collusion. So everybody believed that they were going to you know, get everybody who was involved in Trump-Russia collusion, Trump colluding with Russia, because it was like a known fact, Trump colluded with Russia. So we're going to get all of the parties and we're going to send them, you know, indict and they'll go to jail. So for two years, he investigated, but I'm, and he got people who pled, uh, pled out and then tried to work with him. So then they don't, you know, get as much jail time and all of that. 
But what did they plead to? They pled to lying under oath, 1001. They, they pled out on lying to the FBI or lying to government, insert government official here is what they actually pled to. And a lot of it had nothing to do with Trump-Russia collusion. It was a way to actually investigate other wrongdoings. Papadopoulos was, uh, I believe, working for a foreign government without registering as an individual working for a foreign government, if I remember correctly. So he ended up lying about what he was doing. And so his charges included lying. They don't actually, none of it was Trump-Russia collusion because as we found out years later, the dossier was fake. Everybody knew it. But so why do they investigate for two years and only go after right-leaning people if it turns out it was all fake and made up on the left? None of them ever seemed to have gotten investigated or indicted. Like there was no And every one of them should get indicted. Right. So for two years, he investigated what and then we get the uh the next guy who starts investigating on the the fake dossier i can't remember his name is escaping me right now but then we get the next guy who's investigating the fake portion of the dossier and he's going to go after you know the creator of the dossier and the russian you know asset that turned out he lied to help create the fake dossier and all of that but they let the um the uh oh my gosh my brain just went blank they let the statute of limitations run up and then there's nothing to go after because they can't go anymore so then when they actually go after the real people who were involved in it oh sorry five years is up we can't do it anymore and so they they just delayed the actual investigation until nobody's really going to get gone after yes that's why if you would go with term limits and you term them out after one term, we could probably eliminate 95% of this. Leave your career, leave your career people working in DC. Well, a lot of these FBI at, guys are the career people too. So the, what? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was just saying you have to vet out these GS rated people as well. When they start becoming political, then it's time for them to go too. Yes. Absolutely. It absolutely is. But, you know, we have all of these individuals. If you're talking about prosecutorial discretion type of situations or the prosecutors using their discretion on who to go after, they have immunity and then they choose not to go after certain people. You can what they'll send to the grand jury. I believe they have a choice in some of what they send, if not all of what they just about all of what they send to the grand jury so if it never gets sent in the first place that's a part of their discretion and then they have immunity so they'll never you know they'll never have to answer for what they answer for their crimes and i believe the one that was investigating all them dudes was durham yes the durham and he wrote reports and stuff like that it's just oh well, yeah, then you then you have all the IGs, the inspector generals, who come out with these reports and say people did all this bad stuff. But we're not going to prosecute. We're going to refer them to Congress for whatever for a, yeah. a good talk, a good talking to. We're going to take them out for ice cream and beer and have a good talking <laughs> to them. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the thing I've heard from congressmen and senators that speak on our local talk shows, is that all them guys talk me to each other. 
But then at the end of the, the day in the evening, they're all at the same pubs and they're all at the same restaurants eating dinner together and yucking it up and just Is like really colleagues. Are you going to be mean to all your colleagues? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, just, I don't know. just like one of our, our news guys, uh, Fox news guys. That's very good friends with the Bidens, the Bidens. Yeah. Yes. And he portrays Tucker, himself. Tucker, Tucker Carlson. Carlson. Yes. You know, unless that report was totally fabricated and untrue, but sometimes I listen to him and he makes some uh, some really good points. Obviously, he's doing better than me because he's there. I'm here. You know, you and I should be there and he should be here. Yeah. We should have the national spotlight, which we're going to have someday. Yeah. But you know what? You you have to be honest 100% through and through. If you're not going to be, then you're not worth the salt that that your body was made by. Sorry. Okay. No, uh, for our listeners, in case you, um, didn't catch the episode. So Tucker Car- didn't catch our episode, to be clear. Hunter Biden wrote a letter of recommendation or worked through, I, I think he worked through to get a letter of recommendation for Tucker Carlson's child to go to a specific, uh, school to get into a specific program that was found on his laptop. At least that's the claim that that was part of the documentation that was found on uh, Hunter Biden's laptop that was disclosed by the New York Post and bits and pieces as they've gone through it have been released. Well, maybe he has a legitimate reason, you know, maybe it's a, you know, it was an old friendship. It was long before he started acting silly, blah, 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 you know, tried to help him out. He tried to help me out. Yeah, there's a, there's always an excuse there. Yeah, there's it was always, Tucker Carlson an answer. asking Hunter Biden for right. the favor. For so the that's favor. For his son on his college application to Georgetown University. Wow. So, hmm. Yeah, so they're all seemingly connected, even though he acted like this is the biggest, you know, bad guy there is, and Hunter Biden's on the take, and he's moving money for the big guy, he still, he would talk up on a show, uh, but in the background apparently has been friendly. So what's going on with our NBA player that's still, WNBA player that's still stuck in Russia? As far um, as I know, still stuck. No yeah, deal has been She's struck. appealed. She's appealed her sentence, and she's still begging America to bring her home. And I heard a side story. I don't know if it's true that they might enlist her to help teach basketball there in Russia. Really? Yeah. So they'll shorten her sentence if she does? I didn't hear anything about shortening her sentence. Just that could be a part of her sentence. Ah, okay. Force her, force her into a labor force camp. Force her. Yes, that would be Basketball her. labor camp. Yes. In other news, we have Paul Pelosi was sentenced to serve five days in jail and pay $7,000 in fines for his DUI charge. Well, you think he's going to be recognizable when he gets out of jail after five days? Well, apparently they counted his overnight stay as two days when he was picked up. And they also counted uh, two days because it's a one for one of good, uh, good behavior. So he actually only had to do one day. And then I believe they allowed it to be some sort of work release. So he never, he's, he's, uh, nice. So eight hours be good. Is, is the new two days. Yes. <laughs> eight hours is the new two days. 
Wow. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure when this judge runs for reelection, too, he'll get some money from the Pelosi's. Oh, I'm sure. You know who else got money? Speaking of getting money, not from the Pelosi's, but from Gavin Newsom's in-laws, his wife's <sighs> parents. Who'd they pay? They paid the super PAC for Ron DeSantis. The Republican dollars. The Republican from Florida, the governor? Yes, apparently Newsom's wife, uh, the parents decided to donate to his super PAC. Nice. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if maybe his wife, it'd be funny if his wife was actually a Republican, but right. it sounds like maybe the parents, Her parents are in Florida and they wanted to build a home and they needed so, to get some codes changed. So they invested a little bit of money in the super PAC. Maybe. Which that kind of stuff happens quite often. Yeah, I give a little money and then all of a sudden uh, something changes in a, a law or things are looked over. Or You know who is really good about that? Was the former senator from Nevada. Harry Reid? Yes. He made thousands upon thousands of dollars getting property cheap. And then all of a sudden they build bridges to nowhere on them and he gets to sell them to the government or to the developer. He um, lived in as an uh, attorney that did not practice much, but was a longtime senator, lived in the most expensive apartment in all of D.C. Somehow he afforded that, huh? Yes. Oh, how nice for him. Good yeah. for him. I'm sure no insider training, trading, no real kickbacks. I mean, no. Paul Pelosi does the good investments on property, too. So, you know, they just know better than us. They do. They went to the right school. We went to the wrong school. Yes, that we did. I guess the school of hard knocks isn't as good as the school of insider information from your wife. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.